Hello and welcome to the agency show by ClientJoy. I'm Yash, co-founder and chief executive at ClientJoy. At ClientJoy, we help agencies manage their leads, proposals, contracts, projects, support, invoicing and payments, the whole nine yards. The agency show is our podcast where we invite agency experts and owners who make seven plus figures a year to talk about their problems across their growth, fulfillment, and revenues, and we talk about their journey of solving these problems. If you're an agency owner, this show is for you. So do not forget to hit the subscribe button. In this episode of The Agency Show, we've got Matthew Hunt. He's the founder at Automation Wolf, where he helps B2B businesses in building invisible marketing funnels. He also helps them with demand generation. This conversation is brought to you by ClientJoy. Give this talk a listen if you're looking to leverage online communities to grow your agency business. Right, good. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. For, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Matthew Hunt. I'm the founder of Automation Wolf, and Automation Wolf is my fourth company. <laughs> so uh, I've been in the digital marketing niche for a while, uh, since 2007. And um, from 2007 to 2010, I built a lead generation company. Okay, for uh, merchant services, um, which extended beyond 2010. It continued to live um, without me making money for another decade, which was fantastic. I, yeah. I, I appreciate a business that just keeps earning revenue for you, even though you're not a part of it. Yeah, and then 2010, I built my first digital marketing agency for small businesses, which was offering search engine optimization services and pay-per-click management services like AdWords. Um, and then I merged that company with a larger company in 2014, which then developed into an enterprise digital marketing agency company. And then I exited that business in 2018, took a, took a break, and then started this new business, which is kind of, it's, it's an automation company, but it's, it's also kind of an agency for agencies. So it's, it's technically my fourth I guess, agency in a world, in a way, over the course of, I guess, 13 or 14 years in this business. So I know the agency business pretty well. Um, there's always room for improvement and things to learn, but um, that's my history and my background. And Automation Wolf focuses on really helping agencies get set up with one, obviously, in, in its name is automation. <laughs> and two, um, it helps them create predictable leads and sales in their business because that's the thing that I find most agencies are struggling with in their business. That's at least one of the initial ones. So most agencies, when they start out, they kind of start out as usually a consultant or they start it and, and they, they either get some leads through inbound or usually it's word of mouth. It's by doing good work, yeah, <laughs> they get more business. But what ends up happening is about year two, I'd say, they start going, hmm, I'm either not getting quite the right people that I want, it's very, or it's very unpredictable, and I'm kind of going through this feast and famine experience. And it's usually because they start putting people on the payroll, yeah. and they realize, oh, oh crap, I've got other mouths to feed and other responsibilities, <laughs> and, yeah. and I bet I better figure out this whole like predictable lead thing and sales thing, otherwise this gets really stressful. And in fact, I meet people all the time who live in that anxiety ridden environment for like a decade before they'll do anything. So I've seen people take 10 years before they make something, make a decision about fixing it, some too. But the reality is until you fix that part in any business, but particularly in agency business, it's, it's going to start to get a little bit uncomfortable. You'll start earning those gray hairs. Can you see those gray hairs there? <laughs> 
yeah not a lot yeah. but well learned right so uh, so so i i and i and i completely agree with you right because we at griller also so now we have a we have a product that helps agencies manage their um, clients however we yeah. we ourselves used to be an agency for 5 years before we started yeah. building the product and and so what ends up happening is is your cash outflow which is which is mostly as as salaries to your team uh, yeah. that remains predictable right uh, however your cash inflow is not predictable and so so that anxiety is 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 something that that makes it very very difficult for for folks and in the other comment that i'd like to make is i've spoken to a lot of people with 13 or 14 years of experience that's that's a decade and a half right um and i've never met someone who's been able to sum up uh, their experience in such a crisp way right and and so so thank you for that um and and, and so that's amazing and awesome and so so uh diving straight into the into the topic right so there are a lot of i mean if you search lead generation for agencies or lead generation for b2b companies you you come across a lot of articles uh they talk about they talk about email marketing they talk about uh, you know growing your referrals they um they talk about some amount of advertisements maybe um and and so on and so forth however um during this specific environment right where where businesses are looking to save on their uh, on their initiatives or investments um they're not looking to currently invest into building uh, or working with a professional services uh, company because the the climate is very difficult um so that so the target market becomes a lot smaller and so at this point of time which um strategy do you believe is is the is the best one or in your experience is is the better one um for generating predictable leads and 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 hence predictable revenue yeah Yeah, great great question. I mean, this this is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> so so here's 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 the reality. So what if it's okay with you? Yeah. I I find what's most helpful for people is instead of talking even about strategies and tactics first is is for us to understand a few universal laws because usually what happens so when people have like a a sales problem it's really a revenue and sales problem it's usually a lead gen problem and then yeah. when they have a lead gen problem they really actually have a positioning problem and when yeah. they have a positioning problem they really actually have a mind mindset problem so we're always like looking at you think of the iceberg we're looking at the tip of the iceberg very rarely are we paying attention to the the big bulk of the iceberg that's under the water right and so everyone's treating the symptoms and and not the real root cause so what i'd like to do i think the way it would be most helpful is if we talk about hey what's the root cause of how we fix these things because here's the thing if you look at like martech and you look at SaaS as as a as a thing where there's marketing and sales SaaS okay and enablement tools for that in 2000 you know in 7 they did their first martech study and it was 150 tools which is like quite a bit of tools yeah but if you fast forward to the most recent study in 2019 i believe the number is 7363 but don't don't quote me on that okay oh. i think that's the number so so if if for example these tools solve these leads and sales and revenue problems why why do they keep making more of them yeah that's an interesting question well the the answer is the tools don't solve the problem right mm-hmm. most of the tools do give or take 
majority of the same thing. Something's a little different. One's better than another. No tool is perfect out of the box, right? It's just, it is what it is. the, the, The reality is there's just a lot of noise out there and people are confused by the noise and they're in love with the tactics, which is not how you scale a, a business. That is not the fundamentals of business. So what a lot of people need to do now is particularly in hard times, what I love about hard times, what I love about a crisis, and what I love about what's probably gonna roll into a recession or a depression, is that it forces people to go back to the fundamentals and to be really good at what they're doing. No longer are you gonna get away with a bunch of really stinky shitty yeah. tactics it's just not yeah it's just not it's just not going to work so here's what we need to understand for for agencies in, in general so first we need to understand a, a a couple things one is we need to understand the difference between objective strategies and tactics so that's the first thing okay and everyone seems to confuse this but i like to use the analogy to a greek myth because most of us were taught some sort of Greek myth in school, at least in North America we are. And there's a famous story that most people know, which is this, this, this story of Helen of Troy, which yeah. is the Trojan horse story. Yeah. So most people know the Trojan horse story. It's thrown around a lot. People like yeah. to use a lot of analogies with tro- Trojan horse. Yeah. But what people don't understand is they actually think like the actual Trojan horse is the strategy. That's not the strategy because the objective is to get Helen back, okay? The strategy is actually deception. The tactic is the Trojan horse, right? The the, the horse is the gift that they wheel inside, right? And the soldiers are inside and then they get out of it and then attack the castle and get Helen back. That's just a tactic, right? And so the the, the Trojan horse could be a lot of different things, but what you actually have to get right is first you have to understand, you have to know what true north is. Where is it that you're trying to go? Right. And then two, you need to understand, oh, the real strategy is actually deception, but you can do deception in a lot of different ways. You don't have to necessarily use a Trojan horse, but you could do it in a lot of ways. Now, I'm not saying you should take deception and put that into your marketing or your sales. It's just an example that's really easy for people to understand the difference between objective, strategy, and, and tactics. So once we get that down, we start having a little bit more clarity. But then the next thing we need to, to understand is we need to start understanding certain universal laws, okay? There, there are universal laws that exist in the universe that are backed by science and physics. Mm-hmm. And we need to start going back to the fundamentals of understanding these laws and respecting these laws, okay? So I wanna, I wanna share four or five of them because if you understand them and you align these four or five universal laws with your business, then you will start choosing the right strategy and the right tactic that aligns to them because you'll use them as a, as a filter, right? To make decisions. Yeah. So, so let's talk about one universal law in general. The first universal law that exists that we cannot ignore, which is people only buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Okay. That's it. it. It doesn't matter whether your service or your product is better or worse than someone else's. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the price is either. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks the price matters and the features matter. And, and you know, it, it, it does not matter. Even your story, your marketing doesn't matter yeah. at, at all. At the end of the day, people only buy from people that they trust. Okay. Like fundamentally trust. And you really think about how you buy or how other people bought from you in the past. And if you think about your own agency, most agencies, 
you know, get most of their leads either by word of mouth. So that that's someone fast forwarding the trust factor Got it. or, or they get their leads through inbound marketing. They publish content, they make YouTube videos, they show up on a podcast like this. People start to hear them and they start building trust or credibility with what, as being an expert with that. That's, that's fast forwarding some trust. But the, but the problem is, is, is that when you do inbound marketing or referral marketing, is it's completely unpredictable and you have no control. (laughs) And as an agency, you need to find some sort of control because if you can't control and create predictable leads for your business and predictable sales, then you really do not have a business because it goes prospecting sales, then marketing, then delivering a fulfillment of your services or product. And then if you're lucky enough and you make it through those first two pillars, the third one is getting to optimize your business and scale it and do fun things where you can work on your business versus in your business, right? But you can't proceed to pillar number two or three until you get down pillar number one. And so many businesses are so busy working on pillar number one or even think they're working on pillar number three. They're like, oh, one day we're going to exit our agency. It's like, well, no, you're not. If you don't know how to show someone that your business has predictable leads and sales without you, it's not so being sold to anyone, right? So they live, they live in pie in the sky, la la land, right? So, so we have to realize that, look, inbound and referral marketing is great. It's a nice little bonus, but it's not a way to scale a business. Instead, there is a way to scale a B2B business. And the way to do it is to actually figure out who your ideal client is. So you have to niche down. So you market to agencies. I market to agencies in general. Sometimes I have consultants and coaches or B2B SaaS companies, but generally speaking, my sweet spot is the agencies, right? And so is yours. So you pick the niche, which is really good. And then you got to pick a product that you're really good at doing something that you're really good at a problem that you're solving. You're solving the problem of the CRM, the pipeline, and, and obviously like the contracts and the proposals. And like, that, that's a huge problem for agencies and you're solving that problem. I'm solving the problem of leads and sales. You got to figure out what your thing is. And, and that's the thing you stick with it. That's step one. But that's not it. That's not, that's actually not enough to actually like niche down. You have to do actually more than that. You have to then figure out within that niche, what's the niche. What's the lower hanging fruit in that niche, right? That's right. And then you build a list around them because you can identify who they are. So you can like today, once you figure out who they are, you can build a list of those companies. You can find out who works at those companies very easily. You can find out their contact information, right? And then you can reach out to them to start a conversation and build a relationship. And I say start a conversation and a relationship because that's the goal. Because if you reach out to someone, here's the mistake people make. Everybody makes this mistake all the time. This is why their cold outreach sucks. This is why people get turned off by outbound. They either hate it because they've had bad experiences with it or they did it and they said it didn't work. Well, it's not true. It's not that it doesn't work. It just means that you didn't get it to work or you, your mindset decided that you don't like it because someone applied it really badly towards you. So it's, it's like anything. If, if, if I sat down and and I was decided to have a competition with the world's best lumberjack, right. Mm -hmm. And they gave us five minutes on the clock and I said, okay, Matt and this lumberjack, Let's see who can chop more wood in, in five minutes. Well, who's going to win that competition? Obviously, the world's best lumberjack. Well, the same thing with marketers, right? Time and, time and money is not related. And, and, and 
each marketer is not cr all, all created equal. If you, you can take the world's greatest marketer in the world or salesperson in the world, they're really good at what they do. They can take five minutes and turn it into a million bucks or 10 million bucks real quick. But you can take another marketer who just really hasn't figured it out that much or has the wrong mindset. And they could take all year or 10 years to make the same kind of money. It, money and time is not related, right? And people confuse this all the time. And so this comes back to this strategy thing. So people do cold outreach and they're trying to sell their shit. They're trying to either like do a demo of their SaaS product, right? Or they're trying to get someone on the phone, have a quick call to learn about their business, yeah. right? Or to give a free audit. Like I think everybody knows what a free audit is today, which basically means you're going to try and sell me your shit, right? Yeah. And, and it never works really well because you're trying to find a needle in the haystack. You're trying, if, even if you identify the whole market, you know, let's say you find your ideal buyers. Let's say there's a thousand of them there, right? Well, there's only like, you know, there's only one to 3% in that thousand who are in market right now to buy your stuff. And those in-market people are already on Google searching for companies like you, right? right? They're already open to it. But you, you, if you yeah. Can you no, hear no, me? I was just completing your sentence. Yeah, so oh, they already yeah, in market yeah. on Google looking for it, yeah. 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 And so, 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 but you're using outbound to do that. The problem is you don't know who they are and you don't know if you're six months early or six months too late. Right. You don't know what's going on. So it's that one, that's very small marketplace is tiny. It's a moving target that's moving all the time. Right. So, so it's really, really hard to make it work really well. If your strategy is to do cold outreach try to get them to open their email or cold call them or lumpy mail or whatever to try and get them on a demo or a sales call. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that well. And it feels like crap. Like it feels sleazy and slimy. It feels terrible. Nobody likes doing it at all. Right. And, and the problem is it's not that cold outreach doesn't work. What, what the problem is, is your offer sucks. Mm. Right. Nobody, nobody wants to buy your stuff. And, and remember, they don't, but they particularly don't want to buy your stuff if they don't know who you are, right? Right now you're a stranger. So what does stranger mean? Stranger means danger, right? We've been taught this since we were three years old. You, we, we teach our children this. I've got a 12 year old, a 10 year old and an eight year old. I've been telling them from day one, if this, you don't know someone, you don't go with them, right? Stranger danger. We, yeah. So when you're a stranger, no one wants to do that. So you have to respect this universal law, which was, what did I say? People only buy from people they know, like, and trust. trust. So you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself. Where are we in that buying stage? Are we at the no stage? Are we at the like stage or the trust stage? Obviously if it's inbound, right? Or referral, they're more likely to trust you. They're, they're further along in that journey. But we remember when you do that route, you can't control it. It's very unpredictable. You end up with this feast and famine experience, yeah. right? Of having leads and sales sometimes and sometimes not. Yeah. And you have that fixed cost of your salary, which creates all this anxiety. That's, that's not a fun life to live. So you got to figure out a way to build your list and contact them and give them another offer. So here's the offer you, you want to give people, okay? The offer you need to give people is, is a couple things, okay? One, it must follow the rule that leverages what's called the network effect, 
Okay. For anyone who doesn't know what the network effect is, it just is, you just, you want to Google this later on, but it's called Reed's law or Metcalf's law. Okay. And, and this is, this is physics. This is, this is like literally math. All right. You want to be able to plug people into a system that gets better the more people you add to it. Okay. And all the world's best companies do this. So Facebook does it. Google does it. Microsoft does it with LinkedIn. Uber does it. Amazon does it. eBay does it. You know, any system that, that you can put more people in, it, 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 it actually gets better the more people you add to it. It ends up taking on this flywheel effect, this snowball effect that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and sustains itself and grows on its own. It actually ends up following what's called the Fibonacci sequence. So if you don't know what the Fibonacci sequence is, it's important that you actually Google this as well too. The Fibonacci sequence is a spiral where it goes really small and then it spirals outward. And as it spirals, it gets faster and faster and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you'll see the Fibonacci sequence of math in everything in the universe. You'll see it in black holes. You'll yeah. see it in hurricanes, in tornadoes. You'll see it in plants. It's actually even been proven that people's faces who follow the math of the Fibonacci sequence tend to be models. Okay. Yeah. They tend to be they're more attractive. They're more attractive. They're more, they're more attractive. This is math. This is physics. So, so what ends up happening is the math, the way Fibonacci works is, is one plus zero is one. And then it goes one plus one is two. And then it's one plus two is three. And then it's two plus three is five. And then it's three plus five is eight. And, that, and it's kind of like compound interest, but it's more like a spiral. Okay. So this is how you, you need to grow your network effect. And, and the mistake that people make is that a lot of times they don't realize they got to stick with it a little while. So they need to understand the laws of compound interest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Einstein always said, those that understand compound interest earn it. Those that don't pay it. Yeah. Right. And that's right. And so you have to understand this or another time, another term is understanding something that Jeff, Jeff Bezos talks about all the time, which, which is the, you know, who owns Amazon is he talks about asymmetric risk to reward, right? So this is where you lose money initially yeah. to then later break even, you know, so like to say three, first three months you lose money, next three months you break even, but then after that, it grows exponentially really high, right? And if you look at Amazon, in five years, Amazon, they start out taking a loss. And in five years, they make three times the profit that Walmart does, who's had a 25-year head start on that. Uh, yeah. And now Walmart is, is spending money like crazy to play catch up with yeah. Amazon. So Amazon won, has won the online game and now they're buying the location game, right? Walmart won the location game, but now they're way behind. And the funny thing is Walmart still makes a lot more money in revenue than Amazon, but not even close to as profitable. Yeah. So Amazon, I think in 2019 was 12 million or 11 million profit. Uh-huh. Walmart only did five, or no, uh, 12 billion profit. Walmart only did 5 billion. Okay. Right. So, so, but they did something like 50 billion in revenue. So profit matters, right? Profit matters in your business. So if you understand these laws and you apply them to your business, it's going to work really, really well. Now the offer that aligns really well with the network effect and leverages the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. And also plays well with people who don't know you is to offer a private community. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And here's why you want to offer a private community. One is everybody wants to belong to things that are private. 
Yeah. This is why people pay money to belong to private ski clubs. Yeah. This is why people pay money to belong to private golf courses, private supper clubs. In fact, people even pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just to go to a private island owned by Richard Bronson, yeah. right? Yeah. Virgin Airlines, just yeah. so they can rub, rub shoulders and elbows with the famous and wealthy elite. Right, that status it increases their status, so people want to do that. The second reason why you want to do it is because birds of a feather flock together. Mm -hmm. CTOs want to be CTOs. Healthcare people want to be with healthcare. Digital marketing agencies want to be with digital marketing agencies. So you want to create a private community. It must be private of a very specific group of people. Mm -hmm. And the reason why you want to do that is because they end up doing eighty percent of the work. So when you think of the eighty twenty rule. Let them do the majority of the work. All you want to do is enable the conversations, but you're the host. So you become like a hurricane. You know, there's the eye of the storm. Yeah. Well, you're the eye of the storm and there's all this activity that's going on around you, but everybody knows who the eye of the storm is. That's you and your brand. And the way you anchor it is you actually anchor it by stop creating content and stop being the expert. It's the biggest mistake in the world. It's the biggest lie in the world. Everybody's telling you to become the expert, right? You hear it all the time. Yeah. Everyone's saying, go create content. It's the biggest lie in the world. Even agencies sell it all the time. It's, the, it's actually the, one of the worst things that you could be doing and the least, the least good use of your time. And it gives you no leverage whatsoever. None whatsoever. And the smartest people in the world do not do that. So you have to pay attention to what they do, not what they say. Okay. This is, this is important. Pay attention to what people do, not what they say. And pay attention to people who are really making it in the game. They're not trying to create tons and tons of content. Yeah. They are not trying to be the expert, okay? What they're doing instead is they, just like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, they don't create any content at all, barely any, hardly any at all, yeah. like very, very, very little. But they enable it and make it easy for their, con for their users to create content. So yeah. same thing with you, your private community, your goal is, your number one goal is to get other people creating your content, get the conversations going. Two, what you want to do is you want to be a talent scout and you want to go out and find people, the 1% of that community, okay, that everybody else aspires to be like. Mm -hmm. There's always the 1% who's amazing. Yeah. And here's the good news about the 1%. The 1% people who are the best, the smartest, the, the most talented people, they usually have really big egos. And if you ask them to interview them, like you asked me, right? Yeah. They come on your show. You they don't, and you don't, even, you don't even have to pay them. Yeah. And they get to make amazing content for you. Am I not making amazing content for you right now? This is right? amazing. This is, I'm actually getting to learn. Yeah, it's, it's, a lot, it's, it's really cool. It's really, and did you create any of this content right now besides enabling it to happen? Absolutely zero. Absolutely zero, right? And, and I was happy to come on your show and you didn't even have to pay me. And now you get to leverage my authority. Yeah. And you even get to leverage my audience because yeah. guess what they're going to do? I'm going to share it with my audience. Hey, look how it's featured on Yash's show, right? Yeah. So you get to leverage what I call is OPA, other people's audiences and other people's authority. Okay. See, everybody knows what OPM is. What does OPM stand for? I wouldn't know it's, that. Yeah. It's, it stands for other people's money. 
Okay. And you're always told to leverage other people's money, right? Hey, you know, go buy some real estate, put a little bit down and leverage the bank's money and get someone to rent it out and pay you more. Yeah. So it cash flows. This is fundamental business 101, like leverage other people's money. No, no. The today and the future is not about other people's money. The most important asset that you can leverage is other people's authority and other people's audiences. So what you do is you build this private community and then you parachute in the 1% and you interview them. But here's what ends up happening is you end up doing what Oprah and Tim Ferriss have done. So Oprah, everyone knows who Oprah is, or at least in North America, they know who Oprah is. She's worth billions of dollars, has the most influence in the world, but she's a, she's an expert of nothing. Or other people in the marketing industry will know about Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a very famous podcast, or maybe Joe Rogan as well, too, yeah. as a podcast, right? People recognize these names. Or you, you can think about Tom from Impact Theory, right? All, Joe Rogan, all these, yeah. I mean, everyone knows the Rogan experience. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all these people are experts of nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. But what they do is they bring in the experts. They think of themselves more like a talent scout. And what you want to do is you want to interview these smart people and teach your community, your audience, what to look for and what to look out for, yeah. right? That's, that's, that's what you want to do. And by doing that, what ends up happening is you end up earning trust. Yeah. What did I say? No one buys from anyone they don't know, like, and trust, yeah. right? So now you've engineered trust at a one-to-many level without doing a lot of work. You, you're, one, you're not like creating most of the work. Two, you're not being an expert on anything, right? So, and, and, and three, you're, you're leveraging it where you can talk to a lot of people at one time. So right. if you have a community where there's 20 people, 200 people, 20,000 people, 200,000 people, or 2 million, it, does, it doesn't matter. matter. It's yeah. still leverage. It's better than one-to-one -one conversations. Absolutely. So if I had sales appointments, let's say I got sale, eight sales appointments. Well, it still took eight hours when I could go to the community and talk to 800 people yeah. in one hour. That's, that's leverage. That's what we call these small hinges that swing big doors. It's a better use of my time. And there's no point in me doing these one-to-one -one conversations when they don't trust me yet. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. They're not going to buy from me because I have not earned their trust yet. Because here's what happens. Oprah or Tim Ferriss, they have expert that comes in and there's Oprah and Tim Ferriss and then there's expert and then Oprah and Tim Ferriss and then there's expert and then Oprah and Tim Ferriss and then expert. Well, guess what? All those experts come and go, but the constant is Oprah, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And because they've given so much value over the years, they've deposited so much of this trust equity, okay, that when they decide to make a withdrawal, they yeah. can print money on anything they want. Yeah. Anything they want. If Tim Ferriss shows up at a conference, everybody buys the tickets. If Tim Ferriss sells something every once in a while when he makes an offer, everybody buys it. He's written four best-selling New York best-selling books on other people's expertise. He didn't write any of the book. All he did was transcribe what other people said. He didn't, he didn't create any of the content. None of it. Zero. Zero. He just thought of a talent scout and curated other people's smart information. And as he interviewed more smart people, more smart people wanted to be in a show. It just became this snowball effect, this flywheel effect that got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger without him. Right? The same thing with the community. You need to, you need to whatever system that you put people in, it, it needs to leverage the network effect. Right, it needs to get better without you. Right. It it needs to have leverage where you can you can build trust at a one to many level as opposed to a one to one 
one to one has no leverage, right? So this is the problem. So what people need to do is they need to build a list of strategic, right? They need to build a list of strategic people, two of them. One, that's the 99% of the people where they can capture the whole market versus just the in market. So instead of capturing, you know, one to 3%, now you can capture the whole market. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you sold cars, right? You sold cars. And I said to the, I, I grabbed a random thousand people in a room and I said, Hey, who in this room is in market to buy a new car right now? Well, one to 3% of the room is going to raise their hand. Yeah. But if, if I, if I, uh, if I said, you know, that's cool. I got it. If, um, if I said, you know, who in this room is going to need to buy a car between now and the time they expire not to get morbid, like the time that they die. Well, the whole room would basically raise their hand. So this is what we want to do is we want to be able to capture the whole market. And the way you do it is you build a list one for 99%, one for 1%. Yeah. Okay. You cold outreach to both of them. One for the 1% for interviews, the other 99% to join a private community. Then you interview the 1% for that community. So they can get to know, like, and trust you. And then whenever you want to make an offer, they'll buy it. doesn't matter what you sell agency software. doesn't matter what it is because you now have the trust and price doesn't matter anymore. Whether your product is better or worse, doesn't matter anymore because people don't buy that way. We don't care. We only buy from people that we really trust. Yeah. And that's the system in, in, in a nutshell. And that's the mistake that most people don't follow. And this is why there's so much noise and confusion and people have been lied to. It's really, you know, it's not their fault. It's just that, you know, they've, they've been told the wrong information at the end of the day. And so can you see now I talk about this is all mindset stuff. Yeah. This has nothing to do with tactics or strategy. You got to get your mind right first. And then we can start talking about the strategies and the tactics. Got it. And so I think a couple of things, things became uh, really clear for me. And, and that throws one of the questions that I had out of the window. Um, but one of the things that became clear for me in this, in this thing is, is that um, in this conversation up until this point is, is that, um, is that the tools that you use are, are there to optimize your process, right? They are not there to invent something that is not there in your process, right? And so, so you can you can have n number of tools. However, they they just help help you do the task better. But the fundamentals still have to be the correct fundamentals that you're building your business on or you're positioning your um, offering on. And the other thing is something that I've always believed is that is that a good product um, or a good service is um, is is a necessary condition, but it's not a sufficient one, right? Um, and hence, all of these things uh, uh, come into play. And and so this has been. Um, this has been great, and so that that brings us to the end of our end of the part one of our of our podcast. And and I, I want to say I want to say yes. Let me say one more thing, okay, sure. before you move on to part two. Just one yeah. one more thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This this is important because it'll tie it all back together, okay. Mm -hmm. So remember the whole thing I said about the beginning about ob objective strategy and tactics. Yeah. yeah. So if you have the wrong objective, you're going to end up having the wrong strategy, the wrong tactic, right? So the problem is people want to sell their shit. They want leads and sales, but it's not, it's not, the, it's not that, and they make that the objective. So they always say, oh, the objective is to increase, you know, revenues. And then the objective is then to get more leads or whatever it is. But you have to remember, just like Simon Sinek says, we don't buy what people do. We buy why they do it. Yeah. And the reality is the leads and the sales are a byproduct of something else. What you want to do, the objective should be to build a larger community mm -hmm. and to bank more trust equity. That should be the objective. Yeah. 
And if you make that your objective, now your mission becomes bigger than you. Like Oprah's mission, her own internal mission statement for her, her show, why it's been so successful, had nothing about being the most famous talk show person ever. Her mission was to actually make fundamental change for the community that she was touching. She wanted to change the way they thought about things. That was her driving mission, right? And so it can't be about the other thing. You need to have something bigger than you and your company. The byproduct is you get to sell a bunch of cool stuff. And what you have to remember is businesses come and go. This is my fourth, so I know that. Yeah. Services and products come and go. The economy changes, so you have to change. And every company that has ever existed for 100 plus years never ended up doing what they started out doing. Yeah. So the real important thing is really to have that community and trust as the foundation of where you want to live. So pick somewhere that you can live for a long time, like at least a decade or longer, yeah. and then ser serve that community. That should be your goal is to serve them, to build a larger community and to bank trust equity everything else will take care of itself and then you'll start making the right strategies and tactics.